passage that we're about to read from our New Testament lesson, from the Gospel lesson, begins with Peter's famous question about forgiveness. It just simply rolls off his tongue. And then Jesus pronounces a famous response. To this exchange is attached a rather straightforward parable about forgiveness and judgment. Together, these passages create a forceful call to forgiveness. Let us now listen for the Word of God as it comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you seventy-seven times. For this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents, or about, oh, let's say $7 billion. One who owed him $7 billion was brought to him, and he could not pay. His Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and his children, and all his possessions, and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him about $12,000, a hundred denarii, and seized him by the throat, and pay me what you owe, he said. And his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused, and then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt, all seven billion dollars of it, because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. 
Amen. Seven billion dollars of debt. Can't even count that high. Unpayable debt. Debt that just, there is no way anyone but three people in the world today could pay that kind of debt. Bill Gates being one of them. Versus $12,000, $11,000 of debt. Payable four months worth of wages, but certainly payable. Less than a used car, payable. The one owed the amount that could not be paid back, 150 years worth of labor was forgiven. The one who owed four months worth of labor was grabbed by the throat, thrown in jail, never to have been repaid or repay that debt at all. Peter makes explicit the perennial question that plagues all of us, especially Christians, in all times and all places, for all years. When may we stop forgiving those who offend us? Christians since early church have consistently taken the meaning of Jesus' answer, whether translated 77 or 70 times 7, to be crystal clear. Never. God is a God who forgives completely. Completely. And the body of Christ is called to do likewise. However, even God's forgiveness, did you hear the end of the story? Has its limits. Did you hear the end of the story? If you don't forgive with your whole heart, what happens at the end of the story? In order for there to be forgiveness, there must first be sin or debt. The servant who is brought before the king owes an outrageous sum of money that he has no chance of repaying. And the king's first reaction is less just like yours and mine. To sell this servant and his family, put out her fear into the heart of the servant so that he begs for mercy. Readers surmise that God is likewise ready and able to hand out cruel punishments to great debts. Well, traditional sources quickly reassure Christians that it is never the king's desire to punish the servant, nor is it God's desire to punish us. It's quite the contrary. The, king, the king's threat, like God's law, is a mirror that brings the servant or sinner, you and me, to self-knowledge and repentance. We, we must look in the mirror. Only when debtors acknowledge the overwhelming weight of their debt, and our debt is a lot, can they see the time, the thing of greatness, of God's mercy and God's grace. Human beings who see themselves clearly will know themselves to be not only without merit before God, but even deserving of a punishment 
There is no cause for despair, though, because of the king's quick willingness to forgive. Quick. Did you see how quick it was to forgive seven billion dollars of debt? I asked in the Sunday school class this morning, how would you all feel if the bank sent you a letter and said, oh, hey, by the way, you know that $50,000 you got left on your mortgage? It's forgiven. Wiped clean. You don't owe it anymore. Thanks for your business. How would you feel? Party time. Right? Party time. Uh, you know what? Uh, you know, they're... It demonstrates God's gracious stance towards us. What grace we have. Do I owe $7 billion? Probably of sin to God. We all owe $7 billion to God. Do we have it to pay back? No. The good news is it was already paid back. God took the step to pay it back. God paid it back with the death of his son. He gave his son so that we don't have to worry about that debt anymore. You see, the servant who owes him that great debt didn't quite get it. And sometimes you and I don't either. Because just like in that story, the servant who owed him a relatively tiny sum of money, didn't get what he deserved. Like a person who walks away from a mirror and forgets what his face looks like. That's what James 1 tells us. The first servant forgets the mercy and grace that's been given to him. That he's just received. What an enormous weight. Think about just that $50,000 debt that you owed and the bank forgave. That weight off your shoulders. Or all your college loans. Your college debts. All wiped away. What a weight off of your shoulder. And yet, that servant forgot what that meant to him. Forgot. The servant forgets the mercy he's just received and neglects to pass it on. It's this lack of mercy that brings out the unfortunate events of the angry king, God, in which he's reported by indignant witnesses. Yes, those people that know what just happened. I can't believe. You know what? The bank forgave that $50,000 of debt, and yet you wouldn't forgive that $100 of debt that was owed to you. And having your family go back to your bank and say, Hey, can you believe it? And the teller goes and tells the bank president, and the bank president goes, Hmm. Because of your actions, we've just reinstated that $50,000 in debt, and we've added all the interest. And it's due now, or you lose your house. That's how a finance brain works. Those who truly understand the magnitude of God's mercy must, must pay it forward. We have to pay it forward. Faith in, God's na faith in, God, faith in God naturally brings forth acts of love. 
acts of love towards neighbor, the servant's unwillingness to forgive reveals really his lack of gratitude. It brings him crashing down and into back into his own debt. His own punishment after having been forgiven is even greater than the original punishment would have been. Did you notice the word? There was a word in there that was used, tortured. He was tortured until he could pay it back. Well, if he's tortured and he's in jail, can he pay the debt back? No. But if you don't forgive, that's what's going to happen to you. So the Bible says, so that this text says, but we all fall short every single day. Do I think that's going to happen? Friends, I don't think that's going to happen to us. But the intent of the story is, folks, you've got to forgive. It's going to cost you a lot. I know it is. It's going to cost and it, oh, man. Oh, and pride, oh. Oh, can you imagine the pride it's going to cost you? To say, I forgive you for all that you've done to me? Oh, man, all that pride stopping me. God, do I really want to do this? I want to hold on to that. I want to hold on. No. No. You see, hearers of the parable must not place themselves in the judgment seat of the king who forgives, but rather in the hot seat of the unworthy servant who is forgiven. Matthew's Jesus is clear about works of compassion, for they are the true measure of people who know God's forgiveness. You see, Peter's question to Jesus, how often should I forgive, allows us to explore forgiveness within ourselves and speaks about the relationships with those that we love those that we hardly know, those that we don't know, with God, with our enemies, with our faith communities. Although Peter's question in Matthew is directed towards others, within the church, the area of forgiveness is one that weighs heavily upon people of faith in all areas of their lives. Do I really have to forgive do I have to forget? Forgive and forget. Oh, I can forgive, but I will never forget. God calls us to forgive totally in our hearts, and that causes us to forget as well. All of the world's religions, all of the world's religions teach about the necessity of forgiveness. It's only been recently, though, that medically and scientifically, it shows the importance of forgiveness and the health and well-being that it gives. It's widely known that unforgiveness or holding on to the past hurts and resentments deeply affect our emotional and physical health. Jesus speaks to that necessity of forgiveness. He knows the efforts unforgiveness has on our individuals and on communities. There are many situations in society, and we can throw them out, just they roll off our tongues, right? In families, in our churches, in our workplaces, that when not dealt with, we sow the seeds of bitterness, and they fester inside of us. 
often we don't really want to forgive someone or ask for their forgiveness, even though we know that we should. One reason may be a desire for revenge. We may simply want to get back at somebody for what was done to us. We may want to return the hurt by inverting the golden rule. Do unto others as they do unto you. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're trying to do. We may resist forgiving another person because we think that that person who hurts us ought to do or say something to mend the hurt. They are the ones that are supposed to come back to us to ask for forgiveness. You know, please forgive me for what I did. They're not going to do it. They're just not going to do it. We want to put conditions on forgiveness. We may resist forgiving one another because of our pride or our lack of sense self or how much God really has forgiven us. The servant in the parable who is forgiven a huge debt but is unwilling to forgive the smallest of all debts has no sense in his heart or mind of the generosity and the graciousness shown to him. Forgiveness means to release or let go of the other. Forgiveness is not denying, is not denying our hurt. Forgiveness is not denying our hurt. When we minimize what has happened to us, gloss over it, just, I forgive. When you don't forgive from your heart, you're glossing over it. When we minimize it, it still hurts. Forgiveness is a possibility only when we acknowledge the negative impact of another person's actions or attitudes in our lives. For example, forgiveness is not also a matter of putting other persons on probation. Don't do it again. We're not putting on probation. Forgiveness is not an excuse or of, for unjust behavior, and to forgive, it's not necessarily to forget. Some events and situations we should not forget. We should not forget the Holocaust. We should not forget slavery or ethnic cleansing, exploitation of children and women, mistreatment of people or abuse. To forgive is to make a conscious choice to release the people who have wounded us from the sentence of our judgment, however justified that judgment may be. It represents a choice to leave behind our resentment and our res desire for retribution, however fair or what we think that punishment should be. Forgiveness involves excusing people's Excusing people from punitive consequences that they deserve because of their behavior. The behavior still must be condemned. It must be condemned. But the offender is released from its effects as far as the forgiver is concerned. Forgiveness means the power of the original wound's power to hold us trapped is broken. It's broken. Ponder these illustrations that I'm about to tell you. Ponder these two illustrations. The one is about a prisoner of war who asked another, Have you forgiven your captors yet? I will never do that. The second one answered, Then 
first man answered, they still have you in prison, don't they? A single mom, divorced, working to support herself and three young children, said, since my husband walked out on us, every month I struggle to pay the bills. I have to tell you, my kids, oh, we have no money to go to the movies. We're living it up, is what my ex-husband does. He lives it up. Oh, yes, he lives it up with a new wife in another state. How can you tell me to forgive him? And the friend answered, I'm not asking you to forgive him because of what he did was acceptable. It wasn't. It's mean, it's selfish, it's filled with hate. I'm asking you to forgive because he doesn't deserve the power to live in your head and turn you into a bitter, angry person. I believe he should be out of your life emotionally as completely as he is out of it physically, but you keep holding on. You're not hurting him by holding on to that resentment, but hurting yourself. My friends, I urge you this day, I urge you this day to remember someone you're called to forgive, praying the name of someone you need to forgive, and then in forgiving with your whole heart, with your whole heart, you're enabled to have an experience total forgiveness not just hearing about it not just speaking about it but actually feeling it amen let us pray